0: Secret of guidance said this. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. You think about that statement, instead of it being something that we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, and talking, it seems that prayer has become like the little glass box on the wall. And it says, you know, break or open in case of emergency. It's one of those things that we don't think about prayer, we don't pray, we don't communicate to the Father unless we're at some crisis or some difficult situation in our life. I think about how when we watch the news media or any public figure that communicates, and oftentimes God and prayer are left out of their communication unless there's some at, excuse me crisis or emergency or some difficult time and then all of a sudden they start talking about the lord they start talking about prayer they start talking about putting our faith in him and caring about other people and i think it's interesting that that oftentimes we only turn to prayer when when there is some emergency or crisis or difficulty it's one of those things that is talked about more than anything else, but practiced less than anything else. And yet as a believer, it should be a central part of our lives every day as believers. In 1952, think about this, Albert Einstein was delivering a lecture on the campus of Princeton University. A doctoral student asked the famous scientist, What is there left in the world for original dissertation research? In other words, what's left out there for us to go after, for us to attack, uh, for us to to really sink our minds into with considerate thought and profound that Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Interesting statement in 1952 coming from Albert Einstein. Paul was somebody who understood prayer and its power. Prayer was a part of Paul's life, and he took it for granted that it would be a part of the life of every Christian. You cannot really be a good Christian and not pray. Just like you can't uh, have a good marriage if you don't talk to one another think about that for a moment. How many of us would enter into a marriage relationship and not communicate with each other unless there was a crisis? Not talk to each other or or have understanding of one another unless there's some emergency or difficult task in our life. And yet oftentimes, that's exactly how we treat. Instead of it being a relationship that we communicate on a regular basis in order to strengthen that relationship, in in order to know one another better and understand one another more uh, deeply, Uh, we we just we neglect prayer. We we neglect the Lord in our communication with Him. And if we did that in our marriages, we would be pretty miserable. Our marriages would not be successful. And they would not be strong relationships. But because we communicate on a regular daily basis, our marriages are strengthened and those relationships are stronger and and they are deeper. And they can survive difficult challenges in life because of that strength. And so this morning as we go to Colossians, the fourth chapter there are a few things that I want us to see from God's Word in relationship to our prayer life. Beginning in Colossians chapter 4, and I'll go ahead with the first verse, but we really want to focus on verses 2, 3, and 4. But listen to what he says. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a Master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the Word, so that we may speak for the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae and as he writes, he is giving them instruction. And instruction has to do with the supremacy of God and his ability to provide for the needs of our lives. And he's going through and he's talking about many different areas of life, many different relationships, and how God's supreme power can provide and meet the needs of our life. And then he enters into this little section that he talks about prayer. And the first thing that he teaches us about prayer, is that we are to pray with persistency. Pray with persistency. Paul begins by saying, devote yourselves to prayer, or continue earnestly in prayer. In the original language, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. The word translated, continue steadfastly, is one word in the original language. It can be translated, persist in adhere firmly to, or remain devoted to, or to give unremitting care to. It carries with it the idea of dedication. This one word is only used ten times in the New Testament Scriptures. Four of them are used to refer to being devoted to prayer. It is a very powerful word, and in this verse it is given as an imperative ...or a command. In other words, to pray continually, to pray consistently, to pray with devotion, its not an option. It's not something that He is suggesting to us that, you know, if it's convenient or if everything's alright or if you've got time. It, it is a command. It is an imperative that comes to us as Christians that we be committed, devoted, and faithful to prayer in our life on a continual and consistent basis. Uh, As we look at that, two of the most instructive parables that Jesus teaches to us in regards to prayer, one is in Luke chapter 18 and the other is in Luke chapter 11. And both have to do with being persistent and not giving up in prayer. Listen, in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Listen to what it says. Now, He was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. It begins with the idea that that the instruction that is coming from Jesus is that as He teaches this parable is that we are to be consistent and persistent in our prayer life. That we are not to become discouraged. We are not to lose heart. But that he says it is to show them that at all times they ought to pray. Not sometimes, or not convenient times, or or not when you're not busy times. He says at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Not give up, but be persistent in our prayer life. In Luke chapter 11 verse 9, we find that the promise that says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Again, this idea of persistency. Ask, seek, knock. Keep on going, 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 until the answer is given. Each of those verbs is a present tense, active voice. And, <clears throat> excuse me. and it could be translated, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Jesus does not want us to give up in prayer he instructs us to be persistent. Now, there is a difference between persistence and a long prayer. In fact, there are places in the Scripture that He teaches us that repetitiveness in our prayers is not effective. So He's not talking about persistence of, I just keep going on and on and on and on and on. He's just talking about being persistent and not giving up. And so I ask today, I ask tomorrow, I ask the next day and the next day and the next day. I remain persistent. I remain consistent and continual in my prayer life. And we're going to talk about prayer life is not just about asking. But that's an important part of prayer life. And he instructs us in regards to that. You know, he he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. He said, it is a process of asking and seeking God's guidance and God's direction and God's provision in our life. George Muller, known as one of the greatest prayer warriors of all times, had this to say about persistency in prayer. It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the Word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. As if it were of no use to read the Scriptures when we do not enjoy them. As if it were of no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the Word, we ought to continue to read. And the way to obtain the spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the Word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. Be persistent in your prayer life. You know, don't, don't just all of a sudden there's an emergency or there's some crisis or there's some difficulty. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. But be persistent every day, every moment of every day continue steadfastly in our prayer life every day. Pray with passion. That's the second thing that I want us to see. Pray with, with passion. If you are persistent in something, it stands to reason that you are going to be passionate about it. That, that if I'm going to continue steadfastly in this, and in fact, Paul says we should be vigilant or be watchful is the word he uses there. It is the opposite of slothfulness. This describes a passionate prayer life. Jesus was passionate about his prayer life. He prayed continually, consistently, and passionately in his life. S.D. Gordon in his book quiet Talks on Prayer says this how much prayer meant to Jesus. It was not only his regular habit, but his resort in every emergency. However slight or serious. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard pressed, he worked, hard pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his messages upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If he in body or weary in spirit, he had resources to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow of unbroken and undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield, he would not yield to prayer. Jesus continually his word. We find over and over and over again, Jesus passionately praying about the things that were going on in His world and about the things that were going on in His life. And at and, and, and the moment of His baptism, He was praying uh, when He called His disciples. He was praying at the Mount of Transfiguration. He was praying over and over again, passionate prayer in His high pl- prayer impacts the lives of others. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus in passionate prayer. As He hung on the cross, we find Jesus in passionate prayer. Father, forgive me. They know no more. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus' persistent, consistent, and In his prayer life. I believe as we look at God's word, part of the passion in his prayer is because he knew who he was talking to, and the power that his father had in his presence in his life. And so he was passionate about his prayer life. He was passionate and persistent in communicating and praying effectively and efficiently to meet the needs of others. And, and when we see that over and over and over again, we see an example that teaches us what it means to be persistent in prayer. James 5, 16 says, the effective, fervent prayer. you hear that? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Effective, fervent, passionate prayer James 5, 16 says. The next thing he tells us is this. Great thankfulness. Not just always asking, not just always requesting, but giving thanks for what God has blessed us with in our life. Paul never fails to mention it. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with and walking under the influence. Spirit. Notice what he said in that passage again when we go back to Colossians chapter 4 and the instruction that is given to us there. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert uh, in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of thanksgiving. Remembering to be thankful for all that God has blessed us with and all that he has done for us in our lives. Oftentimes, we, we set our prayer life up, and, and, and again, remember, we talk about the fact that, that oftentimes it's, it's about crisis. It's about emergency. It's about needs that are urgent, and, and we pray when those things are going on, but we don't pray persistently, and we don't pray consistently in our life. We don't pray with passion in our hearts. But, but he says, listen, if you will be thankful for what God has blessed you if you will be thankful for the things that He has done for you in your life, we stop and we think about all that God has done. Expressing gratitude for the fact that He sent His Son to die on a cross in our place. To die so that we don't have to. To die so that we can be forgiven of our sins. To die so that we can be relieved of the penalty and the punishment of hell and we have the hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven. We have so much to be thankful. Think about the life that we live. You know, some of us live a more humble life. Some of us live a bit more extravagant life. But I promise you all of us live a good life. Compared to so many the world. Compared to so many who, who are hungry. So many who, who don't have homes to go to. Who don't have work to provide for the needs of their life and their income. And you begin to think about all those things. And oh, we're so blessed so many things to be thankful for and yet oftentimes we are thankful we just have our list more than we want more than we need more than we think is important the final thing this morning is this he says that we are to pray making intercession that means we are to pray for others and that's the instruction he gives he says pray for us in other words he changes that transition of prayer and he says pray for us have an attitude of thanksgiving, be persistent, but pray for us. Pray for other people. Because our prayers for other people are effective. Our prayers for other people are helpful. Our prayers for other people are encouraging, not just to their life, but to our life as well. And so, praying for others, it's a, a time in our nation when we need to be praying for others. We need to be praying for people who are in leadership and making decisions about the directions that we take and the things that we do in regards to the emergency or the crisis that is around us. We look at other countries that have lost hundreds of lives and thousands of lives, you know, and and so we we try to learn from that. And so we need to be praying, praying for common sense, praying for for decisions that are made based off of truth, not just fear, decisions that are made based off of facts, not, not just anxiety. that people would look at the facts, would look at the truth and determine what is best for us as as a leadership and and what is the direction that we should take and and so we need to pray for them not just criticize or complain about they've made this decision or that decision or they missed this thing or they blew that thing but, but let's pray for them. Pray that they have wisdom. Pray that they have insight. Pray that they have understanding. Pray for those who have been affected. This illness. Pray for healing and restoration. Pray for those who have lost loved ones to the illness. While there haven't been an astronomical number of deaths, there have been deaths. And sometimes we make light of these things because we kind we of feel like, well, it's it's not a whole lot worse than a common cold. It's not that big of a deal, but, but there are people who have lost loved ones. And so we need to pray for them. Pray for their comfort, faith. pray for their peace, pray that, that God will hearts and be in their lives because praying for others affects them and it affects us. It affects our attitude about them. It affects our outlook and understanding of their circumstances and situation in life and it helps us to have a greater compassion for them in our prayer life. never the story that's told by Howard Hendricks who for years taught at the Dallas Theological Seminary and he pastored in the area, and he shared this story. He said, years ago in the church in Dallas, we were having trouble finding a teacher for a junior high boys Sunday school class. The list of prospects only had one name. And when they told me who it was, I said, you've got to be kidding. But I, I couldn't have been more wrong about that young man. He took the class and revolutionized the lives of, I was so impressed, I invited him to my home for lunch, and I asked him the secret to his success. He pulled out a little black book. On each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys in his junior high class. And under the boys' names were comments like having trouble in arithmetic, or comes to church against parents' wishes, or would like to be a missionary someday but doesn't think he has what it takes. The young man said, I pray over those pages every day. And I can hardly wait to come to church each Sunday to see what God has been doing in their lives. Prayer for others changes their lives, and it changes and impacts our lives. God teaches us in His Word to be persistent. He teaches us to pray with a grateful and thankful heart for the blessings that we received. And He teaches us that it is very, very important that we pray for others. And so this morning, before we go to our invitation time, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. I know we've already done that. Uh, We've prayed with the prayer blanket and other things together this morning. But I want us to pause for a few moments this morning and to walk through God's instruction of prayer. I want us to pray for others. I want us to pray for our needs. I want us to pray with uh, with persistent, passionate hearts that are thankful and grateful for what God has done for us and given to us in our lives. And so this isn't going to be lengthy to, again, remember for it to be a... Passionate prayer or, or a persistent prayer it doesn't have to be a long prayer. But I want to invite you this morning to the posture of prayer that's most suitable for you to be looking at God's Word. Uh, there are times that people are kneeling before the Lord. There are times that people stand before the Lord. There are times that people are seated before the Lord. There are times that people bow before the Lord. Uh, those are postures of prayer. And uh, and I know my my heart is always blessed by a posture of prayer. Submission, a service to Him as King and Lord. But whatever posture of prayer is most suitable to you, whether it be sitting, standing, kneeling, bowing before the Lord, let's go to Him in prayer. As we go through this time of prayer, I'll lead you, and so I'll say at this time, pray for, and I'll give you some instruction of something to pray for, and then I'll close this in that word of prayer. Let's bow. call you to, to give thanks to the Lord for the blessings that He's given you. now I, I invite you to pray for the leadership in our nation, in our state, in, in, in our, our local government, for decisions that are being made at this time in regards to, to how they're dealing with this crisis. right now I invite you to pray for our church locally and its leaders as as well as the church universally and decisions that are being made in regards to how the church responds and and what example we set for the world in regards to our trust and belief in God and His ability to provide and and to meet our needs and uh, just lift up the church. that we would pray in specific in regards to, to this virus and the spreading. God has the ability to hold back the reins of the heaven, to part the, the waters of the sea. Uh, he has the ability to bring the dead back to life. And He has the ability to bring this virus to a close. And I just want to pray that He things we pray for, we have agreed together in our hearts, agreeing agreeing together, we submit them into your will. We ask your blessing upon this prayer time. Father, we pray today more than anything, that we would persistently. Stand with me for a hymn of invitation. If there's a decision in your heart this morning, come we stand with you.